following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may, may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Well, after listening to that passage, we might not have too many people left listening to this message. We might have lost a few viewers there. Uh, that's a pretty uncomfortable passage to hear, isn't it? Uh, it sounds pretty jarring. You might have cringed a bit during the reading of that passage. It, it's pretty uncomfortable, even offensive to our modern ears. Some of the things that are said in this passage, it talks about women submitting to their husbands, uh, this passage talks about women obeying their husbands. It describes wives as the weaker partner in the marriage. I mean, this kind of stuff is just offensive. Uh, this sounds misogynistic. It sounds chauvinistic. It sounds completely sexist. This sounds like the sort of thing that is used by men to dominate women and oppress women. And it just seems completely archaic and out of touch with our modern world. This is a pretty difficult passage to come to terms with. It's probably one of those passages we wish wasn't in the Bible. Uh, but as is our ethos at Shore, we are not going to dodge this passage just because it's difficult and it makes us uncomfortable and maybe it offends us. We are going to dive in and we're going to try and look at this passage head on and try to understand what it means. We're going to try and place this text back in its original context and then very carefully make some applications from there to our lives in the 21st century. Let me just preface this by saying that even though this is a passage that's addressed to husbands and wives, if you are not married today, if you're single, this message is still for you. Please don't switch off. Uh, there is such wisdom in this passage around how we relate in healthy ways to members of the opposite sex and what healthy relationships between men and women can look like. So if you're single, if you're separated or divorced or widowed, this is still a message for you. This is still a passage that's relevant to you, whatever your marital status. So please don't tune out. Now, as we come to look in more detail at this passage, it falls pretty neatly into two parts. We've got the instructions to wives and we've got the instructions to husbands. And if we look at what Peter says first to wives, he starts in uh, verse uh, one with this pretty confronting commandment. He says, wives in the same way, Submit yourselves to your own husbands. Now that word submit sounds pretty offensive, but let's understand the context of what Peter is talking about here. All of these commands to husbands and wives 
they fall within a broader set of instructions that Peter is giving through chapter 2 and chapter 3, where he is describing the way that Christians are called to relate to the various social structures of society within the Roman Empire. So he's previously talked about how we are to relate to the governing authorities. He's talked about slaves and masters. And now he talks about husbands and wives. And as he describes these relationships and how we should act, his purpose is always evangelistic. Peter has got this, this missional impulse so that what he's wanting is for Christians to live well within these relationships and to live and conduct themselves in healthy ways so that others outside the church community would see them, would see their good lives and, and their good patterns of living and would be drawn to Christ because of them. So there is this missional purpose in what Peter is writing here. And that's carried over into these instructions that he gives to husbands and wives. One of the groups that he's, he's got his eye on as he writes to wives here are women who have become followers of Jesus, but their husbands have not. And you can see that in the way he writes these first couple of verses. He talks about a woman whose husbands don't believe the word. And so you have these women who have made a decision to follow Jesus, to trust him, to follow the gospel, and now that means that they have husbands who are not believers and they've got to figure out how to act in this marriage. And what Peter is saying is, wives, I want you to act in such a way that your husbands might see the gospel in your lives, that they might see Christ in you and they might even be drawn to Jesus because of you. When they see the, the purity of your lives, when they see the reverence of your lives, Lord willing, maybe they, they would be drawn to Jesus. Now, that, that responsibility doesn't rest entirely on the wives. That, that's the role, ultimately, of the Holy Spirit. But Peter is saying, you have the opportunity through your lives to be an example to your husband, and maybe they'll be drawn to faith. So there is this evangelistic motive to what Peter is saying here. And all of that is the context in which we need to hear this command to submit. It helps us understand what Peter's meaning here when he, when he calls wives to submit. Submission is not the same thing as subordination. It's really important. Submission does not mean subordination. It doesn't mean that somehow wives are supposed to have this unquestioning obedience towards their husbands that wives are supposed to follow every command that their husband might give them, like some sort of servant. That's clearly not what Peter's talking about here, because when you think about it, these wives, at least some of these women Peter is, is writing to here, some of them have already left the gods of their husbands. So they've made this courageous move where they've stepped away from the religions their husband would have been following, the household gods their husbands would have been worshipping, and they've become followers of Jesus. Now, that in itself would have been seen as an act of insubordination. So that would not have been wives following the commands their husbands might have given them. Their, their husbands may not have been happy about that, but these women have still made a courageous decision, and that's been the right decision because they've given their lives to Christ, and, and Peter doesn't rebuke them for that. He, he's commending them for that. But what that shows us is this idea of biblical submission does not mean subordination. It does not mean to be subservient to someone, and it certainly doesn't mean some kind of blind obedience. Biblical submission is simply the idea of placing the other person above yourself. And it, it just means meeting their needs 
ahead of your own. It means looking out to their interests ahead of your own, placing their desires, placing their preferences, uh, placing their needs above your needs and out of love and out of sacrifice and out of obedience to Christ and obedience to the gospel, meeting the needs of the other person ahead of your own needs. That, that's what Peter is calling wives to do. And again, this is so important in the context into which Peter is writing because these women in the first century, by becoming Christians, this was a big deal. And potentially that decision to refuse to worship the gods of their husbands, that could have been something that brought shame on their husbands. That could have been something that called the gospel into disrepute because people outside the church then could have looked at these Christians and said, well, Christians are just bad for society. I mean, look what happens when a person becomes a Christian within marriage. They just become toxic. They become, they become someone that just blows up the marriage. And Peter is saying to wives, don't let that happen. Don't, don't let this faith that you now have become some sort of an excuse to be, be negative towards your husband or to, to bring shame on him or to call the gospel into disrepute. Wives, you show your husbands what it is to love them selflessly. You show the world what it means to love your spouse sacrificially and with, with incredible selflessness, placing them above yourself, placing their needs above yourself so that the world would look on and see, man, these Christians, they're good for marriage. You know, like when a person becomes a Christian within marriage, it makes the marriage better, not worse. And Peter is saying, wives, that's what I want you to demonstrate, not only for your own sake, not even only for your husband's sake, but for the sake of the gospel, for the witness of the gospel in the world. And so this command to biblical submission it is relevant to wives today, even though we live in different social circumstances. Wives are still called to submit to their husbands as long as we understand that correctly, not as subordination, not as subservience, but as simply placing the needs of your husband above your own, placing his desires, his preferences, his interests above your own and serving him and loving him selflessly. It means wives speaking well of your husbands uh, to other people. And when you're in public, uh, it means finding ways to serve him, finding ways to, to show affection and, and love to him. It means knowing what his needs are and, and responding proactively to those. It means taking real account of his opinions and his perspective, even when you know he doesn't really have a clue. It means valuing his work. Guys find a lot of our value from work and wives, it means taking an interest in the, the working life of your husband, finding those ways to place his needs above your needs in the course of everyday life. One little example of this, uh, just a practical way that Anna's done this for me this week, is by making me a Father's Day breakfast. I'm really excited about this because usually on Father's Day, I have to get down to church at 7 a.m. And so I don't, I don't get a Father's Day thing at the beginning of the day. But this year, in, in the mercy of God, I have been able to sleep in on Father's Day. And so I'm getting this Father's Day breakfast. Now, that's not Anna's favorite thing to do. She's not loving the idea of having to get up and first thing make this big greasy meal. She's not loving the idea of having all these pots and pans to clean at the beginning of the day. But she's just doing this as a way of practically serving me. And I am excited because I'm filming this message on Friday. So I haven't had the breakfast yet, but by the time you're watching this on Sunday, 
I am gonna be sitting on the couch, full of bacon and eggs, a happy husband. And Anna's gonna be cleaning up in the kitchen. No, not really. She'll be there in the, in the room watching with me, I'm sure. But that's just one practical example of uh, Anna practically serving me. Wives, you think about this in your own marriage. What are some ways that you can love and serve and cherish your husbands and look out for their needs, tune into their needs and place them above yourselves, their interests and their desires above your own. That's the heart of biblical submission. It's what wives are called to. Before we go on, let me just say a brief little word about this example that Peter uses here of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, verse 5 and 6, I think it is. Because again, this is quite jarring, and it's got this language in it of, of Sarah obeying Abraham, and even calling him her Lord. Like, Anna has never called me Lord yet, and I don't think it's going to go down too well if I ask her to do that. So uh, we will give that one a miss. But what I want you to notice here is, even though... Yes, it is true. Peter references here this passage in Genesis 18 where Sarah does call Abraham her master or her Lord. If you look more broadly at the relationship between Abraham and Sarah, and it's really useful to do this. I've given you a few verses in the study sheet and you can go and dive into this. And you look at how Abraham and Sarah relate to each other. There are some times where Sarah obeys Abraham and does what he tells her to do. And then there are other times, at least as many other times, where Abraham obeys Sarah and he does what she tells him to do. Now, they don't always ask each other to do good things or smart things. Sometimes they tell each other to do dumb things. But, but the point is, sometimes Sarah's obeying Abraham, sometimes Abraham's obeying Sarah. In fact, there's even one time when God tells Abraham, Abraham, listen to Sarah, do, do what she's tell, tell, telling you to do. And so there is this picture that emerges within their relationship, I think, of mutual submission. It's not all one-way traffic here. They're listening to each other. There is mutual respect and mutual submission that's going on. So the calling to wives is the call to biblical submission as long as we understand that simply as a call to place the needs of the other person, the needs of your husband, above yourself. Now, husbands... It's your turn. It's your turn to be offended now. The commandments to husbands come in verse 7. It's a shorter section, but there's still just as much in it. And there's a couple of instructions here that Peter gives to husbands. The first is, in verse 7, he says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Now, that is an interesting word because it's, the word considerate is exactly the same word as the Greek word for knowledge, the word gnosis, and it just means to know, or in this context, it means to be knowledgeable. So the idea here is that husbands, we are called to know our wives, not just in a generic sense, but in the sense of understanding them, in the sense of knowing their needs personally and specifically, and in the sense of proactively responding to those needs so that we can love them well. So husbands, this means tuning in to the needs of your wife and how she needs to feel loved and how she needs to feel cherished and, and how love needs to be communicated to her in a way that is meaningful to her, which may be different from the way that you need love communicated to you, but this means tuning into how she's wired and how she needs to experience and receive love and affection from you. 
So one of the needs that Anna has is to feel listened to. And that's bad news for me because I am the world's worst listener. But I'm, I'm, I'm challenged by this. You know, when, when Anna feels listened to, she feels valued, she feels respected, she feels loved. And all of the opposite of those things are true when Anna is not listened to. And so there's a challenge for me in this, and I recognize this is something I've got to work on as a husband, as, as part of meeting the needs of my wife and being considerate of Anna, is seeking to listen to her and engage and respond proactively. So husbands, be considerate, be knowledgeable of your wives, and then proactively respond to their needs. And then... Peter uses this phrase, which again is one of these offensive phrases in this, in this passage, towards the end of verse 7. He says, treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now this is, this is really uncomfortable. It, it, it sounds like, I mean, Peter is describing wives here as the weaker partner. It sounds like he's somehow saying that, that wives are inferior to their husbands. But let me just start by pointing one thing out here. This word that Peter uses for weaker or weakness, it's the same word that is used in the New Testament for God himself. Can you believe that? Uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, clearly, Paul in that letter is not saying that somehow God is inferior to human beings. A better translation of that verse would be that the vulnerability of God is stronger than human strength because God, by making himself human, that's what Paul has in view there, God makes himself human in Jesus Christ and therefore he takes on the vulnerability of our humanity, the vulnerability of our flesh. And in that vulnerability, he demonstrates himself stronger than any human strength or wisdom because he conquers sin and he brings redemption. So. God has made himself vulnerable in Jesus Christ. And that word vulnerable, I think, is a good word to use in interpreting uh, what Peter's saying here in 1 Peter 3, 7. That what he is describing is wives, not so much as, as, as the weaker partner, he is saying they are the more vulnerable partner. Now, that was certainly true in many ways in the first century. Uh, women were more socially vulnerable in the first century. So women had no rights. They, they had no social standing whatsoever. They were right at the bottom of the social ladder. Just they, they had the same sort of status as slaves or children. And so, of course, women were much more vulnerable, therefore, to being taken advantage of, to being exploited, to being abused, to being dominated by men. And they often were. And even today, women have a lot more social standing today, which is great. But even today, women are still more physically vulnerable than men. And I'm talking in general terms here, but women are more physically vulnerable than men, which means that they are more vulnerable to being abused and exploited and taken advantage of by men. Uh, generally speaking, and just on average, men have greater physical strength than women, which means, again, women can be dominated and women can be overpowered and women can be oppressed by men. And so this is not at all any kind of statement that women are the inferior partner in marriage. Peter is just simply saying women are the more vulnerable partner within marriage, that they are more physically vulnerable. And so in view of that, how should husbands treat their wives? Well, Peter responds with respect. And that word respect 
It means to honour. And it means to place the person on a higher standing than yourself. To place the person at a higher position of social standing than, than you are. It's a word used in the New Testament of God himself. God is the one who is worthy of all honour. He has the ultimate place of, of greatest standing. And we ascribe all honour and all glory to God. And Peter is saying, husbands, as, as a secondary outworking of honouring God... You honor your wives, and that means to place them in a position of greater standing than you. you. You lift them up, and you honor them, and you respect them, and you place them in a position above yourselves. And this is a word that we need to hear as husbands today. You can imagine in the first century how countercultural this was. I mean, in a world where wives have no social status at all, and here's Peter saying, Husbands, I don't want it to be like that in the home. Husbands, you make sure you lift your wives up. You give them a place of great standing. You esteem them. You honor them. I mean, this would have made marriages so countercultural in a beautiful way in the first century to show the world what it really looked like within a marriage to honor women and treat women with real dignity. That's just something that wasn't going on in the world at the time. And here Peter is saying this is what it should be within Christian marriage. And this is just as important today that, that husbands are committed to honoring and respecting and esteeming their wives. And husbands, that, that means that there is no place for you treating your wife as some fragile, delicate little flower that just needs to be kept happy so she can just kind of be off to the side uh, playing her primary role in life of supporting you. That's not respect. Right? That's not, that's not honoring to your wife. Husbands, Respecting your wife means that you, you don't treat her in a way that is patronizing. You don't treat her in a way that, that's condescending, even if it's well-intentioned. But you respect your wife and you honor her. You honor the gifts that she has, which are different to the gifts that you have. You honor the strengths that she has and that she brings into this marriage. Honor the capabilities that she has. Honor the personality that she has. Honor the calling that she has, that God's given her. It's a different calling to the one that he's placed on your life. And that's a good thing. She's got an identity independent of you. She's not just your wife. She is a God-given creation who is made in the image of God with her own gifts and strengths and calling. And husbands, we've got to respect that about our wives. You don't need to be intimidated by your wife, husbands. You don't need to be threatened by your wife. That she, She's more capable than you in some areas. That's a good thing. That's something to thank God for. Husbands, we can be secure in who we are, but we can thank God for the gift of our wives who are strong where we are weak and who have gifts and strengths that we don't have. We can honor them and we can place them in a position of high regard, genuinely esteeming them within our marriage and before others. That's what we're called to do, husbands. One little way that I've tried to do this, even this week, is by getting Anna's input into this message. I got to a certain point in this message and I realized it's not going to be a great look for me to go right through this message on marriage, just charging ahead with all of my own thoughts and leave my wife completely out of it. So even though I don't always find it easy to get Anna's input on my sermons, I thought I've, I, I need to do this. And so we had this kind of collaborative conversation around this and it was great. And, and I've really valued the, the insights that she's had. Uh, in this passage, and the insights into the broader context of what Peter's saying here, the wisdom that she's brought, the perspectives that she has on marriage. And so what I'm, what I'm sharing this morning is, is really the, 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 the collective 
thinking that we both are bringing to this passage and to this message. And I've valued that input and, and hopefully that's been one small way of respecting Anna. So husbands, you make this practical within your marriage, but find those ways of really tuning in to your wife and focusing on esteeming her and holding her in really high regard with respect and finding practical ways to honor her and celebrate her as a woman and as your wife. So as you step back from this passage there, let me just make a final comment to bring this together. You look at the instructions Peter gives to wives and husbands. To wives, he says, submit. And what does that mean? To place the other person above yourself, right? To husbands, he says, respect. What does that mean? To place the other person above yourself, right? Really, what Peter is saying here is that husbands and wives are called to the same thing. These really are two paths to the same destination. And I know he uses different words, submit and respect, but ultimately he is calling both husbands and wives to be selfless in their marriage, to be sacrificial in their marriage, to really love in a self-giving way and to cherish the other person above themselves, to put the needs and the desires of the other person ahead of their own, to lift the other up and esteem them and value them and honor them. Both husbands and wives are called to this, to place your spouse above yourself and do all you can to show Christ-like love to them. And so I just want to finish with a word of encouragement to those of you that are married, husbands and wives, Please use this lockdown season to work on your marriage. I know it can be easy to drift. I know some of you are in households at the moment where it's stressful. I know some of you are in households where you're bored. And those are all ways and reasons why we can just let our marriage drift. And you can either just go into cruise control with it and just be content with having an average marriage. Or you can fall into patterns of reacting and responding to each other that are not healthy and can be really destructive. Husbands and wives, I want to call you in this time to really focus on each other. Like really tune into each other. Do this today. Do this even now. Like just take some time to appreciate the gift that your spouse is to you. Thank God for them and see what you can do today and in the coming week weeks to show real selfless love to them. To tune into what, what their needs are and how they need to receive love to do all you can to show genuine respect and esteem to them, to honor your spouse above yourself. That's Christ-like love. That's healthy Christian marriage. That's mutual submission and respect. And when we, when we aim for those kinds of marriages, and when we pursue that kind of love, we're not only showing Christ-like love to one another, but we are showing Christ to the world. And this is something Peter is so concerned with, that in our lives and here in our marriages, that we would be a witness to the gospel and that others would look on and would see marriages that reflect something of the love of Jesus himself, that we would be love in action, the gospel on display in our homes and in our marriages, so other people may see the love of God in our lives. And that is honoring not only to our spouse, but ultimately to the Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, this morning I, I particularly lift up to you the married couples in our church, those watching and, and listening to this message this morning. 
And I pray, God, that you would just give them a renewed sense of love for one another and a renewed commitment to show biblical submission, biblical love, biblical respect to each other, not only when times are easy, but also when times are hard, no matter whether it's reciprocated, no matter whether it comes back, no matter whether they feel the other person deserves it. Lord Jesus, help them to be selfless, to be sacrificial, and help all of us, Lord, in our day-to-day relationships with men and women to practice these same virtues out of reverence to you, Lord Jesus, that we would honour others above ourselves. Look out to the interests of others ahead of our own. We thank you, Jesus. This is what you have done for us. Help us now to live out that kind of sacrificial love every day of our lives towards those around us. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455 Thank you for listening.